This podcast is brought to you by Overtake Motorsport. Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of WTHK, a podcast brought to you by Overtake Motorsport. My name is Pedro Lorantes and I'm joined once again by the Hunt Brothers. Chris, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm enjoying first billing, thank you very much. Uh, yes, I'm doing too badly. Um, Looking forward to discussing what's going to be, uh, what's going to be, I'm sure, a very interesting podcast. How are you doing, Pedro? I'm doing quite well. I switched in this time. How are you doing, Alex? Oh, I'm now in a bad mood. Switching it, that's not fair. <laughs> got a warning. Hey, this, this is the first time it's happened. Okay, let me have one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are the young one, so you've got to have first at some point. The younger doesn't count when Pedro's here. <laughs> yeah. All right, younger brother. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but yes, I'm doing very well. Guys, we had quite the weekend, didn't we? Did we? I, I, did, I missed it. What happened? Uh, something about number 25. I'm not sure what else. No, you're thinking, you're thinking multi-21. That was 2013. Oh, that's a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Joey, uh, could you shine any light on what this 25 Alex is talking about is? Could you shine any light on the 25 that Alex is talking about? Do you have any idea what he's talking about at all, this 25 number he's throwing about? I actually have no clue. Oh, no. Now Alex gets to say it. He's going to be such a smarmy git about it. Okay, Alex, what's the 25 about? I think you'll find it's the amount of uh, penalty positions that uh, Hamilton received over the weekend and uh, made made it look uh, rather stupid. See, I stopped counting. Yeah. (laughs) I totally... I know they were a lot. I didn't always want to start in the back, but I didn't bother counting spots. In fairness, the 20 is a bit of a uh, misnomer on the basis it was a disqualification rather than an actual penalty mm-hmm. basis, but and technically it's what it ended be, up being. Technically, yeah, it would be 19 because he moved 19 places down. So, te- so it's 24, and let's be honest, anybody can overtake 24 cars in one weekend. That's uh, that's yeah, actually that's why I, I stopped counting in the first place. You know, I read his qualification, and okay, he's starting from the back. Mm. Yeah, that's the thing, though. It's interesting how... Obviously, sprint qualifying has been quite, um, let's say, mixed reception. It's been a mixed reception so far this year. Um, obviously, I can, I can imagine lots of people in the Verstappen camp uh, saying that possibly if it's a disqualification qualifying, then that should be a disqualification from the sprint race sort of thing. But overall, I'm glad that didn't happen just for the entertainment factor. But that is an interesting thing that's popped up, is just how, how do you deal with these penalties that override on a sprint qualifying and a regular, uh, sorry, a qualifying and a sprint race. As um, we we get us on Sky Sports a lot, the definition between qualifying and a sprint race, which isn't a qualifying, it's a race, but it does qualify you for the race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, just essentially like you just painted a picture about how complicated the things are in that phrase alone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I will say I, I don't, I'm a bit of a Hamilton fan. But there is, yeah, there is a certain amount of luck that it happened on a sprint qualifying weekend that he yeah. got disqualified. Yes, Although, a bit of luck on that front. However, I think he probably would have finished second had it been a regular qualifying session. That car was like, oh, yeah. obviously, the driver is insane. The car was also a rocket. Uh, like he did, he did have a he did have a good car under his on in, on his um under his hands there in that situation. So I think it would have been second regardless, possibly even a first despite that. Um, but he was obviously he's, he made some bloody good positions this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you guys had to rate the race in our usual star system, 
That's a Alex, tough one because I'm Alex, jumping. First. I'm, <laughs> I'm instead as opposed to the Mexican Grand Prix where I found everything wrong with it. I'm trying to find stuff that I that wasn't in the Brazilian Grand Prix, and I'm struggling to think of stuff that wasn't in it. And for that reason, I've got to give it a five out of five because mm. it didn't. It had everything that you want from a proper race. It wasn't mental like Cochrane 2019, which was a bit too far. Yes, but it had. It was more like Silverstone 2019, where it was just an epic race. Mm. And this time, it was for the lead for a championship. So I think yeah. I'm going to stick with the five. Um, I'm going to come from a slightly different perspective, and I think obviously that the the, uh, the alliances that Alex and I have are slightly different in who is the person we want to win. Um, obviously, it was a fantastic race. It is an amazing race to watch. Another reason why Interlagos absolutely must stay on the calendar. I, I say this every single year. The fact they're considering going somewhere else, please, no, for the love of God, no. Please stay on Interlagos, please. I know your mum, mum and law might get stolen, but it's worth it. Trust me. So you guys, heard, you guys heard about that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, Bernie Eccleston's mum and law got stolen. Twenty thirteen, um, but it's worth it. Um, don't ask Bernie that question. Oh, or maybe do you might agree. Um, but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a, um, it was one of those races where, yes, it was a fantastic race, but I can't help feeling it's been somewhat overhyped. Um, there's, it's interesting. There's a phrase that I read on the F1 website today, which Ducky used to it calls a distilling period, where after an amazing race, you actually need a bit of time just to actually refocus on what happened. And yes, Hamilton made up 25 places. Yes, he made up uh, nine places on the actual race itself, which is the second lowest race he's ever made it up from. However, that makes it sound more impressive than it actually looks. Considering that he was on the back of Valtteri Bottas after, what, lap eight? Holy hell, hell of a drive. To get up to that position is absolutely amazing. But it, they're saying it's if it's a two for nail drive and every overtake was an amazing overtake. It was something incredible. And no, it wasn't for most. Let's be completely honest. He's in the Mercedes. Absolutely not. The overtake on Perez, amazing. The overtake on Verstappen, well, sorry, the avoiding action on Verstappen, amazing. <laughs> the overtake on Verstappen, amazing. <laughs> yes, it was very good. We just did some good racing, but I don't, I, I've seen lots of people calling it one of Hamilton's best drives. I feel like I've seen more exciting drives, not necessarily better. Like, obviously, that was one of his best drives, yes, but not one of, I would say, his most exciting overall, especially as for the significant majority of the race. It was just tailing down the staff and closing that gap, which I've said before, I absolutely love. So I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it four out of, out of five. It missed. There wasn't an element of tension. After you close up on Verstappen and the first attempt happened, didn't happen, I was like, okay, let's be honest. We know this is going to happen now. We know this overtake is going to happen with that sort of deficit. It took longer than I thought it would. Um, but yeah, I think it was missing a crucial element of tension where you didn't know who was going to win. You knew when Hamilton was in second place, okay, this is probably going to be Hamilton's race. It's just a matter of when as opposed to if. As opposed to the... A five, a five, a five out of five is uh, Canada 2011. Where it's got the element of crazy and then it's something that comes down to right the very bitter end. Here, as soon as Hamilton got in front, Verstappen was never going to be able to get it back. That was it. He just had to cruise to the finish. That's what it lacks for me. A true sense of tension after he got to a certain stage. The tension was there for the first quarter of the race, don't get me wrong. But then after that, okay, yeah, it went. So four, four out of five, a very good race, one of the best of the season, but missing that crucial element to make it a bona fide classic. Mm-hmm. Well, then you made it a bit unfair because if, if you made it Canada 2011, the five stars, well, then... I will never be able to give five stars to any race, though. 
Oh, yeah, I, I also think Hungary 20, 2014 is a five star race. That's what I put up as five star. So mm-hmm. I'll put it that I'll put it that to example. If, if if Hungary can be a five star race, and that's only something I'm ever going to say, then any race can be a five star race. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I I've been having some conflicting videos. I've been looking forward to airing them on here because yes, that was an amazing drive, one of Hamilton's best, absolutely. But is it this amazing thing they're all claiming it is? I, I will say you've missed you've missed one major overtake, which is taking Pierre Gasly around the outside of that double right hander yes. on the first lap. That was I, a stunning move, probably stunning. arguably the best of the season. Stunning move that on is a, just epic. Stunning move on a jumped up Toro Rosso in a Mercedes. <laughs> hang on, but the, arguably the whoa, 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 hang on, hang on. This is on Gasly, <laughs> the, possibly the third best driver on the grid this season. Yeah. Yeah, against George and Russell. And he made him look a little bit silly. Sorry, and we're comparing against George Russell, the best driver on the grid, who's only had one podium no, no, this year. No, 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 you're right. It was a, it was a stunning overtake. The, the, the issue is if that was a Red Bull or maybe even a Ferrari, would have been, I don't know, like, it's the sort of thing that... It, the power deficit part, and yes, Gasly has been one of the one of the outright, if not the outright performer this year. He has been absolutely phenomenal. But it is an AlphaTauri. Oh, yeah. AlphaTauri, which was the fourth quickest car, and is still in the hands of Gasly, one of the hardest cars to overtake on the grid. Ah, but you say it's the fourth fastest car. If you're taking Yuki Tsunoda into account and averaging, <laughs> maybe the sixth. I'm not talking about averaging. I'm talking about outright pace. Yes, um, Yuki Tsunoda has not been on the outright pace for a while in that car. I don't. I don't think he's been able to see it. Um, yes, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. Yes, amazing overtake, but you've got to consider it is an AlphaTauri. Yes, it's in Pierre Gasly's hands. Yes, it can be a good car in some instances, but there's still going to be quite a few benefits to having a Mercedes as opposed to having an AlphaTauri. I don't want to discredit what Gasly's been doing. He's been phenomenal this season. I don't want to discredit the overtake either because it was delicious. To quote. Uh, 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 Carver in Tomorrow Never Dies. That's the one reference of the week, guys. Um, but yeah, it's still there's always that little seed of doubt. Like that's that's the little thing for me, eating away and making it a four out of five as opposed to being a five out of five. Yeah. I hope you don't. Mind. Pedro, what did you think of it? I gotta give it a five. Um, shit. Thank ah, you, Pedro. Shit. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there was tension. I don't. I don't need you to go wheel to wheel every single lap this is not nascar you know nascar is for that and this is completely different and to me it was a great race if i had to point something out that i didn't like and this comes it's just my personal viewpoint mclaren um puncture as i they just sort of seem to have given up on trying to beat ferrari either that yeah, or Ferrari's getting too good that's very strange that yeah i did a very good point that McLaren have suddenly just dropped off a cliff and I can't seem to work out why. I don't know if Ferrari have got quicker. I know they had the engine upgrade. I don't know whether they've optimised it or something, but McLaren have just not even, you'd expect Norris given his form of the season to be fighting with them, but he was nowhere near, mm-hmm. even without a country. It's like we've seen McLaren, they're not one trick ponies, but yes, oh my god, a straight line, a straight line benefit they've got there. Granted, Interlagos does have a stunning one, but I feel like sectors one and two, well, sorry, half of sector one and sector two just played against them a bit too much. 
yes, there seems to be a problem there that we can't quite put a finger. Are there engines that old? Like, <clears throat> should they have taken a should they have taken a punt here, taken a penalty, and have some fresh engines for the end of the season? Possibly, if they know they're going to get, did they even get a point this weekend? Uh, oh, Norris uh, got both yeah. them for yeah. Norris finished tenth. Nice finish. They got they got one point this weekend. Would it have been worth sacrificing this weekend, get some edging penalties, and possibly have something to fight for in Qatar? Because Qatar, that straight potentially could be good. Um, I mean, Saudi Arabia. Let's be honest, that's not even going to go ahead. <laughs> so who knows what's going to happen in that? What's going to happen next? And then Abu Dhabi. I assume. Uh, I hope McLaren will be strong there. You would have thought that okay, clearly Ferrari got some sort of a, a, a benefit here. All your eggs in one basket. Let's go for the last two, hopefully three races of the season. I don't know why they're just like obviously Ricardo was running in what seventh before the puncture eighth. Yeah, it's around that kind of area. Yeah, I think it was eighth. Just one guess. Granted, that may have been some points, but is uh, you'd think at this point now they're what they're over thirty points behind. They'd be thinking of alternatives and a track where they knew they weren't going to be strong. I'm surprised they didn't take a hit and just try and get something slightly stronger just to fight for the rest of the season because third and fourth place. That's significant. That's actually—I know it sounds really strange to say so—but finishing third in constructors, okay, Ferrari and McLaren, one of them will be a hero. Fourth, won't remember them. It's—it's it's kind of weird, quite how much that little place means, especially between two such long rivals, mm-hmm. long t- long time rivals. Sorry. But you also—it's also more of an indictment that they're they're thirty points behind, and they had a one-two at Monza, and Ferrari yeah. haven't won a race this year. It's the Esteban Ocon problem. He is currently 11th in the championship with 50 points. Half of it was one race. Oh, and also, it's, famously, it's, it's the George Russell issue too. <laughs> I have no words. Oh, did you... Did, no. Did, you, did Chris just kill the argument? <laughs> he's, he's killed something. It wouldn't be the first time. You're he's killed a right joke, there. potentially. You're right, though. The issue is... Yeah, is now okay if they finish fourth, which they are likely to at least. Yes, you are going to imagine. Of course, they got the one two, but you're right. That's kind of it. Doesn't sour it in retrospect, but it does make you think, like mm, overall performance and such. Because land like Norris started the season so strongly, like four podiums this year. Should have won in in Russia. Should have won in Russia. He's looked nowhere near it in the last like three races. I think I. What we're gonna see when, as we get to like the season review, once we're done with Abu Dhabi and everything else, I think we're just gonna see exactly what it was—a car that seemed strong at some points, then had some very low moments, and then went back up high, and then essentially just crashed like a plane the last three or four races of the season. Hmm. It's a car that likes straight lines and ninety-degree corners, basically. It wants yeah. it, it wants strong acceleration zones, big braking zones, and very long straights. Other than that, after that, it tends to struggle. Mm-hmm. How, how do you think you're doing, Qatar? Well, I don't know how the guitar is going to end up for um, cars, yeah. so I I can't work out yet at all. Yeah, in theory, I'd expect it to be quite a power heavy, heavy track because it's lots mm. of accelerating, but they're really long, long radius corners. So it's I can't quite see where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Now, there's one thing I'll uh, I'll mention. I don't know if you guys saw it or if it happened um, in English, because this was an interview um, by uh, Mexican media uh, on Checo Perez. He said 
I don't know where they're getting their speed. They're amazing concerning Mercedes. And I laughed so freaking hard at because they had a new engine and they had changed the wing. I mean, this is something Christian Horner said and something Max Verstappen said as well. Is it really like a team order to play the, you know, play dumb? Yeah. Something like that? It, it has to be because the rhetoric is just awful. Because if you're get, they're, they're going, I think Christian Horner recently said um, he sees significant differences between the rear wings, but the issue with two different manufacturers made the car. And yeah. And if they're that quick down a street, fair enough. And if they're going, if, then people are thinking, well, if they're going that fast down a street, you've got to investigate it. So if they're three, four sensors quicker in the first two sectors, well, Red Bull's three tenths of a second quicker per lap in the middle sector. So why isn't that being investigated? Oh, wait, that's because you're good at that sector of the track. Yeah. Think about it for a second and realize they're just good in straight lines and you're not. And that's been the case for years. Yeah, it's very, very. It's, it's they're trying to push the conspiracy theory that just isn't going to work, yeah. and it's really looking petulant. It's, it's issue. <clears throat> like uh, racing drivers always need an excuse because they need the sense of ego. I don't think team. Like I can understand racers saying it because they need an excuse to make sure they're they're not the guy in the the guy at fault. When it comes to the team principles, yes, Christian Horn has done it for years, so I've kind of got used to it. He's a He's, he's a bit of a jumped up little something, as my father might say. Um, but to be fair, he, he works well. And the last couple of years, he's been playing the game quite nicely. This year, though, the whining has been on full blast. And the thing that's really disappointed me, I expect... <laughs> this is this is the teacher voice coming out. I expected it of you, Christian, but Toto. I didn't expect it of you. Now you've let yourself down. You've let the track down. And worst of all, you've let Mercedes down. And that's the thing. The fact Toto is now joining in on this is it, having won is kind of okay. Having Christian Horner doing it is like, okay, cool, whatever. Pantomime villain, whatever. I don't care. The fact the fact Wolf's getting in on it after so many years of unrivaled success, it's beyond... Uh, that's the thing. I always thought... I always considered Toto Wolf was so humble, it was almost arrogant. I always thought he was so like, oh, some other car's got the stronger car this weekend in 2016 when it's them leading every race 1-2. <laughs> I've always thought that sometimes this hum that sometimes he was so humble it became arrogant. And now the fact he's kind of losing his, like, kind of like he's losing it so much. The, the, the radio message after qualifying, yeah, Hamilton, fuck them all. That is unnecessarily aggressive and it's not, like, okay, to some people that might sound motivational. To me personally, that sounded unnecessarily aggressive and everyone's against us now because we received the penalty which we deserved and then we received another penalty because of a technical infringement. Like, really? You're getting this aggressive over that? Yes, it was a stunning drive in qualifying. Yes, it was a stunning drive in the race, but Jesus Christ. It's not like you've not been winning every single race for the last, like, six years. I, I will not, say, I, I, mm -hmm. on that point, that exact point had to be coming in here, is that Hamilton... At his best is when his back's up against the wall and he feels like he's being treated unfairly. Mm -hmm. You look at 2014 when Rosberg gave him the puncher at Spa. After that, he basically dominated the rest of the 2014 season because he felt like he was being wronged. And if Toto is doing this by thinking that if I can make Lewis think like he's being wronged, it might kick him up a gear. I don't know whether he has thought that and... I might not be too, too nice to Toto. He might have just been genuinely that annoyed at the FIA. But if he's got a plan of, let's make us feel a bit like the victim, 
feel like we're being unjustly penalised and get Hamilton to kick up a gear and properly have a go at Verstappen in the last four races. And if that is the case, that is a genius idea. Yes, but uh, couldn't it be a scenario when we're just seeing a side of a person we had never seen before? Hey, he's, we, we've never seen Toto yeah. against the wall. You're right. Exactly, um, yeah. That, that, very possible, yeah. I would... <coughs> sorry, excuse me. Yeah. I would like the idea that, yes, Toto's doing this in a managerial sort of way, but I mean, considered what I've seen Toto like over the last couple of years, I'd assume he would have done it slightly more internally and would have been slightly more subtle with what he was saying to media. The fact we saw that that video clip where he's pointing at the camera looking that damn aggressive, that doesn't strike me as, I'm going to do this for Lewis. That strikes me as someone who's genuinely pissed off with something. And the issue is, so I've got a real bubble in my throat. <clears> the <throat> issue is with this, when you get somebody like Horner, who is, let's say, a little bit um, slightly. Yeah, let's go for that. That's the issue. I would have thought Toto would have been wise enough not to dip into his game because that's the sort of thing. Something I've learned significantly through my years in just everything is if someone's an idiot, don't argue with them because they'll drag you down to their level and beat you with experience. This is exactly the sort of thing Toto might be <laughs> dipping into here. Let's be completely honest. Why on earth would Toto start doing this PR game? Horner's been doing it for years. He's been doing it mildly successfully in some cases, but why would he dip and possibly... I, I said, he's not going to ruin the amount of success he's had. Absolutely not. But my God, do it with some dignity, man. Yes, if this was for Hamilton, he could have done it in a slightly better way. I think Hamilton is showing the mature response here. He is doing it beautifully. I mean, doing what he's doing, making the most of every moment, using the crowd to will him forward, taking the Brazilian flag of his hero center and going, you know what, I'm going to make this a moment for me. Spot on. Complaining on the radio afterwards, pointing at the camera aggressively and claiming that the entire world's against them from the team manager, the team principal. For, and also that, that sentence alone, but then consider that it's Toto Wolf. Yes, we've seen him get aggressive. We've seen Terra Toto. That's, we've seen those moments of pure frustration. But in this instance, I don't know. Something doesn't. Something really doesn't sit right with me. It's really well, strange. Uh, there's a few mitigating factors in that one. In, in terms of the, the, the meme that now exists with him pointing at the camera, he had uh, Sorry, his, his I, I, I'm, going to I'm going to interrupt Alex it's not many people will get this but your tweet of that and I would love it if we get something from them no, no, the what, I, 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 I'll tell you what I put was um, <laughs> I, I put directly I put they got to go to Middlesbrough and get something with that as the uh, picture <laughs> I saw that and I've never laughed harder at my phone it was a really embarrassing moment this person by himself like 11 o'clock at night looking at his phone just screaming ah <laughs> it's the full Kevin Keegan moment but there, so there's funny so the mit- funny the mitigating factor is that his driver had just been wronged 10 laps before so he's already hyped up and really getting annoyed that the FRR aren't looking at an incident that really should have been a penalty. I think we'll go into that in more detail later. But, and there is the element that Red Bull seem to be doing the same thing every week, is they're they're rearing brakes, so they fix it. But if you know your rear rear wing is going to break, and you know you've got to fix it before the weekend happens, that is a grey area that they're stepping into there, and if Toto Wolf thinks he's in the same area with his driver's rear wing, whilst possibly not to the DRS, but still the same part of the car, mm-hmm. he might, and 
we are we are not privy to all the information. So there might be a genuine concern that the FI are doing them over. I don't think there is personally, but from the way they've acted over the whole weekend and everything they've said in the public, whether there is a problem, I don't know, but they genuinely feel like the, well, Wolf feels like he's being genuinely wrong. That's not an act, that element. I think there's an element of genuinely being done over by the FIA. I don't know whether that's true or not. I'm not convinced it is, but that's how he feels. Assuming he's not doing the clever team boss bit I was talking about earlier. If there was that consideration, would they not bring that up with the FIA? Would they not take that slightly more? As opposed to going full blast in public, would that not kind of damage? Well, to be honest, the only way... The only way you ever get the FIA to do anything is by embarrassing them and making them look like fools. <laughs> Sorry, the FIA have been embarrassed for the last 40 years. It's not going to stop Exactly. That <laughs> and that's the only way. And the only time you get stuff done is when you go public with it and make them look like the idiots they are. <laughs> well, under Balest, under Mosley, and now under Todd, who is arguably worse than both, it's it, you've got to find a way of getting through to them. And by making them look stupid, in the public eye, that's when they start doing stuff. Mm. Okay, interesting. So, I guess if I had to put my two cents in, in, in this, it could very well be a mix of both things. Total things that FIA is doing them over, and I believe that he has to have some confidence going into the tracks we're supposed to go in, and I say supposed because of Jenna, um, with a fresh engine. It, even if Red Bull would try to change his, try to change their engine, they would have to take the penalties. So Mercedes seems to be, at least on paper, on top of Red Bull right now. I think in terms of equipment, yes, I'd agree. They, they seem to have a quicker car on a straight line. They've got newer engines. How long they last is a question mark. That's exactly but, what I was going. That's exactly the point I was going to make, Alex. Is that the initial burst of this new engine? might only be one race long and all of a sudden now going through the next practice sessions going through the next qualifying we may see it turn down a notch from the initial new cars new engine smell should we say um so it'll be intriguing to see how that drops off it'll be interesting to see if red bull with still a 14 point advantage in the drivers championship go shit put a new engine in <laughs> for the last couple of races and we'll beat them at their own game it'll be interesting yeah, to see but- what happens there I think if you're if you're if we make the analogy with pit stops, is that Mercedes have done the undercut and they have undercut Red Bull with engines. Because if yeah. Red Bull at Qatar and Jeddah, we don't know what that's like for overtaking. And it could turn out they're both awful. Yeah. In which case if you take a penalty either you are stuffed. Mm. Not really sure about how Abu Dhabi's gonna work, but it's probably not gonna be as good as in Lagos. So Mercedes may have taken the jump here, yeah. engine-wise. Mm-hmm. But it's a question. I still think they'll have the benefit of the new engine in Qatar. I think it's Jeddah onwards that they'll start to suffer. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. Qatar they'll still feel the effects. And the things we know as well, the Mercedes engine this year has been particularly. Um, what's the word? It's been high deg. The engine's been the biggest thing from high degradation. <laughs> so, I'm so sorry. I sound the biggest coughing fit right now. He's on. He's muted himself. Heavenly, which has been nice, but my God, I, I swear I thought he was going to go for a second there. Um, yeah, I think, um, yes, the Mercedes engine has d- deteriorated much more rapidly than the Honda engine so far this year. 
isn't this just shaping up for a fantastic finale? I mean, isn't this exactly what every F1 fan wants? <laughs> I'm all right. Thanks yeah. for asking. Um, no, no, this is... <laughs> Sorry, actually, this is a video podcast. We've had to put subtitles on for that moment. <laughs> I think that should have been clear. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and now we have live footage of Hamilton's engine as he crosses the line in Abu Dhabi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. I would yeah. say for the neutral, and to be honest, I think even Hamilton was happening, this is building up beautifully. Oh, yeah. I think, I, as someone who I know, I know, Alex, you're a, a Hamilton you, I, I won't say you're a Hamilton fan. You would prefer Hamilton to win. In the same way that I'm not yes. a Verstappen fan, I would prefer Verstappen to win. Uh, as it is right now for me personally, I'm very happy with how it's going. And to be fair, if it goes the the way of Hamilton, at least it was a close championship. Like I've yeah. I've only seen two close championships in almost a decade of Formula One, so it's been quite nice. Actually, possibly three. So it's been quite nice to see something this close. But uh, race in, race out, you just don't know. Is whatever happens, I'll be satisfied from 2021. Mm-hmm. See, so. Alex wants Hamilton to win. Yes. And Chris wants Verstappen. I, I was going to pick Russell, but yeah, I think he's mathematically <laughs> out of contention now, so I'm going to go on to Verstappen instead. So, well, I <laughs> one, but that will never happen ever again. Oh. <laughs> Not an F1, at least. Ooh. <laughs> what is that? Ooh. What? Is that bold? Is, is that some sort of like bold prediction or something? I'm just piling on with Chrissy. I don't yeah, quite know what the problem is. I think Chris is just being an ass. I'm just being an ass. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it seemed very logical to me. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, <laughs> we got to keep hey, your toes. Yeah. Pedro, we got to, we got to keep your toes, Pedro. <laughs> oh yeah, sure, sure thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, I think we have to move on to the second biggest topic of the week. The game of musical chairs is now complete. Everyone yes, has sil- a chair. My silly season is now over. Silly season is done. So, well, depending on who you see on Twitter, they think it's just started. Is it why? What? Why well, am I missing now? The amount of people I've seen commenting on, on Twitter, which admittedly, yeah, what do you expect? That are. I'm happy about Giovinazzi getting kicked out and Joe coming in. Mm-hmm. It's just mind-boggling. Giovinazzi's had three years in the sport and has been mediocre at best. Mm-hmm. And he's been very lucky. He was very lucky to have this season because it should have been Eilat or Schwartzman, really. So I think it's a very... He's done very well to get three seasons. And it's not like Joe isn't about to... He's not coming out of nowhere. He's second in the F2 championship, multiple race winner. And clearly, very quick. It's not like we're getting another Mazepin. Yeah, I, I I completely agree. And Joe, you you tweeted about it earlier. The fact that Giovinazzi's had three years, and yes, he has shown moments of speed, and he's had some yeah. amazing races, like the one he had in Spa. But he's also had some dreadful moments, like the race in Spa. Um, there's been no particular, <laughs> there's been no particular standout moments from his career. Like, yes, I was the same as Alex last year. I was surprised he got a third season. To be completely honest. 
He's not a bad driver by any means, but I mean, he's hardly set the world alight against a against the oldest driver currently in F1, which is not a course to, to take away from his speed or anything like that. But you would assume somebody who's meant to have the impetus and the up and coming nature that they would hopefully finish slightly more in front of Raikkonen than he has. Granted, this year he has, and it's been an improvement. But after three years, it's hardly the scale of progression you might be liking to see. Um, I think he's had a perfectly reasonable F1 career. It's been nothing outstanding. It's not been a bad career, let's be completely honest. It's not been one of those drivers like UGE Day, where we're going to look back and go, oh my God, do you remember him? He's just going to be one of those drivers who was an F1 driver and kind of sinks into long forgotten memory. Um, the, the modern day Charles Peak, shall, I, shall mm-hmm. we say? Yeah, it's sort of like I put it, uh, I, I think I said this to myself and only myself, but uh, the first thing I thought when I, I saw the move is, well, there's a lot of drivers in the world that don't get a chance to drive an F1 car. And he did. Yeah. There's a lot of drivers who don't get to drive an F1. There's quite a few drivers who don't get to score, uh, don't have the talent to score points. He has, I mean, he was, let's be honest, after the first, after the second year, definitely after the um, Carlos Sainz game picks for Ferrari, we knew he was never going to reach those epsilon. So he's had three years there. I hope he has success in Formula E, even though that is such a roulette of a sport. Um, I would, would have preferred seeing him in maybe IndyCar, possibly, or possibly even WEC, something like that. But who knows? I'm sure he'll have a long and fruitful career. And let's be honest, he is Italian Jesus, as uh, Joshua Bell calls him. So I'm sure he can turn some sort of, you know, water into waste winds. I'm not sure. Now, the the other um, question I had. Um, Piastri just ended up being a reserve driver for... Um... Yeah, that, this is what I think should be the big concern, is that some yeah. of his talents is Oscar Piastri, who's winning this significantly in his rookie year, is a reserve driver. I mean, yeah, Joe's got the experience three years of it, but Joe's never won the, Joe's never been leading the championship by the amount Piastri has. He's doing that in his first year. Mm, well, yeah. yes, I don't mean it is an indictment, but it's the major indictment is on Alpine to have a talent like that on their books. And essentially waste it for 2022. So they have two race winners in their current their current lineup. Yes, but um, Joe has um, removed himself from the Alpine Academy and is no mm-hmm. longer part of the team. And if you were Alpine and you've got a driver as good as Piastri, <coughs> my apologies. Um, okay. You've got to wonder what the hell they think they're doing because it's a it's a bit of I'd call it incompetence on Alpine's part here. Okay. To have a driver who is, I'm going to suggest he's on the Leclerc-Russell level, mm. having won F3, possibly going to win F2. I think he won the Formula Regional as well, didn't he? This uh, is all right. I, 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 Alex, you don't need to get emotional. It's okay. We know he's good. Uh, sorry. Voice you're getting in. He's been in the He's doing so well. <laughs> but, <no. laughs> but yeah, you've got to question what Alpine are doing. With the driver mm. like that and going, nah, we'll keep Alonso knock on and we'll put him in reserve. You know what, what I think they're doing? Or what they're going to do? And it's but what Alpine like, have done? What what are Alpine doing with the driver that good and they're putting him in his third driver when you've got Alonso and Ocon as your drivers? Oh, and they're, waiting for, they're waiting for 2022 to be shit. Alonso's leaving now. Put him in then. Exactly. Alonso's <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a significant possibility, right? Alonso, if it's if they're not good in twenty twenty two, he's not sticking around. Yeah, not, not quite, not quite as as um, Chris said it, but I think Alonso's <laughs> days are Alonso's days are counted. <laughs> At least on Alpine, they're counted. Yeah, hmm. 
That's the thing as well. Also, you've got to consider, I feel like Ocon's probably got a, he's probably there for a limited amount of time. I know he's, he's, he's what's under three year contract last year. Was it three years? Yeah, he's under 2024. Yeah. Let's face it, 2024 is a long time away. If they can finance, you know, Piastri doing a few other things for a little bit, it'd be a pretty suitable replacement at some point, I guess. Um, but yeah, it, it is a shame because I feel like on a marketing perspective, the Formula 2 champion isn't guaranteed a drive yet again. Uh, it's, well, it's, no, 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 no. Hang on, hang on, hang on. The Formula 2 champion should never be guaranteed a drive because if you've got a, a field full of fools of Ragunathans, then no, the, the winner won't be in it. I think the problem with Piastri specifically, he's just that good. That's the thing. And the issue is, if no one from F2 got into F1 this year, fine. The second place driver is. So, second place driver currently is. And we can still win it. True. Joe can still win. Hmm. And that seems like a good point to end this part of the podcast. Yes. I'm just going to talk with a bombshell. You know what could also happen to Piastri? Hit by a bus. No, they could oh, listen to Intercom. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Well, I think, don't Alpine have a WEC team? Yes, they do. Okay, they do. Yeah, they, I thought they so. They could do. end up there. I will say yeah. we've lost Chris. He's having a giggling fit. It's all gone wrong. So, um, due to the unpredictable nature of internet and trying to connect people from both sides of the world, we have actually lost one of our co-hosts, and um, this podcast has been recorded in two different days. So, I guess I gotta say, how you doing again to Alex? I'm doing very well. How are you getting on, Pedro? I'm doing well. I was quite, um, I couldn't wait to finish this thing up because there's a yes. couple of interesting topics in the table. Yes. First things first, um, the whole Verstappen and Hamilton thing off the track. Uh, it, oh, just the whole thing is just painful. The whole saga since it actually happening. So now, um, in terms of the actual move, it's it's very naughty, mm. I think, from, from Verstappen. Because if you tried that in Baku, you're in the wall. Yes. So he's only tried that because he knows there's runoff. And given your the track is meant to be within the white lines, um, yeah, it wasn't exactly close. And it's not like he was in front going into the corner. He was behind and only got in front because he breaks so late knowing he wouldn't get to the apex of the corner. Mm -hmm. So that's, it's a grey area which the FIA today have just allowed free run at yes. by their lack of decision for the right to review, which is just a bad precedent to set. It's it's frightening, isn't it? I mean, I, I saw the decision. I read it on Twitter in the morning. And I legitimately got chills. I mean, we're going into a head-to-head head -head battle for the championship. And you're essentially allowing these two guys to do that every single Sunday if they want. Yeah, you're, you allow them just to run into any corner, push your rival off track without punishment. Yes. And, it's, and you've got... Guys like Leclerc going, well, I'm going to change my driving style. I'm going, to, I'm going to start doing that now. And eventually, it's going to end up in a massive, massive accident. Yes. Because this is the problem. It would, it would be fine if there was, yeah, no consequences. But as there is a motorist, there are consequences. And eventually, 
there has to be a massive crash when you do stuff like that, particularly yeah. at high speed circuits. This isn't um, what I thought about it, and I even wrote it in my in my notepad in my phone. This isn't a video game where you can just switch uh, options and changes to a no contact race where you can just bump and nothing's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. It's mm. that whilst the dangers in F one or in much more in general have stopped uh, have become a lot less since it first began in the early late 1800s early 1900s and even throughout the history of the sport even during the 50s it was a lot safer than it used to be and now we're at a point where it's really really safe people still get hurt and people will die in motorsport it's inevitable Mm -hmm. because if you're doing that much speed something's going to go wrong at some point and we watched Grosjean last year almost exactly a year ago now whilst it's a freak accident you can't stop freak accidents happening and by allowing racing to be that aggressive and to have that little regard for your other competitors you're gonna yeah something will eventually go very very wrong Mm -hmm. you've just got to hope it's not on a street circuit where the crowd is less than 10-15 metres away from the track Mm -hmm. I mean just to finish it off I I Really, and I've been thinking about this the whole day. I don't know what's worse, the decision itself or the fact that it took them, how was it? it it's been more than 24 hours. Just to say no. Yeah, exactly. It, it's oh, the, the length of time thing is, a, is just an FIA bureaucracy incompetent issue, which has existed since the 70s and probably since before then. That's not something that's going to go away until you get a proper president that knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the decision, it's just at least investigate it properly. Because this wasn't this this decision didn't decide whether there was a penalty or not. This decided whether there'd be an investigation with the stewards from the Brazilian Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. So if, if you if you investigate it, you at least look like you're doing something and in fact helping the sport. And what's more worrying is that there's no justification for not in, for not investigating it. If they said, well, this is allowed on the basis that uh, hard racing is allowed in Formula 1, et cetera, et cetera, then, okay, that's the position you take. Don't necessarily agree with it, but at least you've taken a position. This way, the FI have taken no position in any way, shape or form. They've gone, oh, let's look at this issue. I'm going to run away and let someone else deal with it on another day. Yeah. I mean, now that you put it like that, it's making me even a little bit more annoying because um, I do think they chose a position and that position is TV content. Treating, yes. it, treating yeah. it just like any other TV show. Yeah, this this is... Uh, did you ever see the film Driven? Uh, Sylvester Stallone, uh, based on... I did, yes. mm-hmm. it, it, it feels that like it's going that sort of way. Yeah. Where it's, they're just going for ridiculous things that are never ever going to happen in real life and just try and make it happen in real life to make Netflix and Drive to Survive even more money and even more views. And it's just, yeah, that's not where I want the sport to be going. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you're the only one that thinks that way. And, And it's funny how we always end up going one way or the other. We end up going back to Drive to Survive. Yes, it, it does keep going back to that. It's yeah. I, I to be honest, I wouldn't have been surprised if this this kind of decision was made before Drive to Survive existed. But now you've got a tangible product in Drive to Survive, 
Yes. Which you can go, well, it's just for entertainment now. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's, it, it's a painful one to watch. Yes. And it's, it's only going to get worse before it gets better. And, and to be honest, I'm glad we're going to get a new FI president because hopefully they'll kick kick the stewarding in, up the arse and get them doing making some proper decisions. One can only hope, I guess. Um, now, <laughs> we have to preview a track in which um, cars with four wheels have never been there. I think they have been there with, I think, was it GP2 Asia? Oh, yeah. Oh, that, F- was, oh, that was F1 12 cars. years ago. Yeah. yeah. F1 cars, yeah. GP3, the Super Asia series has been there. Yes, yes, which was a half-decent series, actually. A bit underrated. It was, it was fun to watch. Um, so is this a Red Bull or Mercedes track? Keep in mind that at the time of this recorded, um, we have seen two practices, I believe. FP1 and Yes, we have. Yeah, to be honest, I my knowledge of the circuit comes from MotoGP and watching races and playing the games. And it's quite a technical, twisty track, but it's really quite quick. So I think it's going to be quite even. I think the advantage, the engine advantage will, well, for Hamilton, will carry through. But in terms of car performance, chassis-wise, I think it's going to be very, very close. I think it'll be, once again, it'll be Lewis and Max fighting at the front with Valtteri and um, Sergio just behind. Yeah. Would it be wrong to think that I believe Bottas will be key? I think Bottas is probably in a good spot, given he's very good at going to green, dusty tracks. As- he learns a track very quickly. As we saw last year, he's normally on it very quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's assume he gets pole position and Hamilton comes either second or third. Where he could really do Lewis a huge favor if he manages to hold on, uh, hold up Verstappen. Yes, well, this is the this is where the championship is going to come down to. Whilst we know Lewis and Max are pretty much on the same level, it's what influence the second drivers can have. Mm-hmm. And I would put more money on Bottas getting in the front in in the fire the front than Perez would at the moment. Yeah, because I don't necessarily think Perez has the ultimate pace, but on on occasion, Bottas does. Mm-hmm. And I think we we discussed this like a month or even a little bit. Uh, earlier, um, this whole lab rat sort of like um, way they've treated Perez throughout the whole year, um, I, you gotta think they're gonna use it in, or they're using it in some sort of way in Qatar. Yes, the only, well, I think the only driver that knows the, the track itself. Yes, I think they'll they, they may be forced to use him in the um, we'll leave him out and let the others catch up to him kind of way, but. Mm-hmm. It's, I think if he was in the lead battle, I think he'd be able to hold him, hold his own very well. As we saw with them in Brazil, actually, he was holding his, his battle with Hamilton was very good. So he can do the wheel to wheel stuff now. Yep. Actually, the, the, no, go ahead. I cut you off. I was just going to say it's, it's more a question of if he has the ultimate pace. I'm not sure he does at the moment. No, neither do I. Um, I was just going to say, Mexico went wild for like two minutes with the the whole Hamilton battle. And I I went through my, I I scrolled to my Twitter feed and like half of the comments were, 
you know what? We had too much emotion for too little time. This ain't helpful yeah. for us. Yeah, it, it, that's just, yeah, everyone does that. It's huge emotion in seconds. The most iconic moments occur in, within five seconds. Yep. So Senna taking out Prost, that is from start to fit to stop it's 10 seconds and it, it's never it's not like football where you've got 10-15 minutes of end-to-end stuff it's F1 is maybe a minute then nothing for another 20 minutes then yeah. another minute then another 20 minutes a minute a minute would be too much I mean just look at, at Monza Whoa, could you imagine yeah Which now- would explode <laughs> Now, um, there is another question, a big one that I've not actually seen many people point out. Um, now it seems that you can put on a, a, a brand new engine, or at least if you're Mercedes or Red Bull, and you're going to get that extra kick from your car, and that's going to essentially push you in the driver championship to the lead, because that's what we've been seeing for like the past couple of weeks. Should we... Well, should we? Why do I say we? I don't know. Um, should F1 or FIA do something about that? Sh- should they limit engines? Uh, I, well, I don't know if you can actually limit it on the basis that if you break three or four engines and you have no engine to race with, that's, that's not a good place to be. But I think that needs to be more of a punishment because although you get 10 places on the first engine change, it's down to five for every other one, which I think is an odd an odd jump. It should be the other way around. Yeah, it should increase by five. So yeah. you go five, 10, 15, 20, etc. I think it's probably a better way of doing it so you don't get people just arbitrarily putting in a new engine mm-hmm. just because they want the extra boost to the, ex- the next two races. So it, it seems, it, it seems I always bring like NASCAR into this, in, in, into the podcast, but I would go the NASCAR way with this. Um, if you fail engine inspection in NASCAR or if you changed your engine or any part of it, even if it's just one bolt, you're going to the back. No questions asked. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, and in the current generation of cars, that would be very harsh. But I think from next year, that could be a good way of doing it. Because mm-hmm. if you've got cars that can easily overtake or at least keep up, it makes it possible to actually do something with it. Oh dear, I do apologize. My voice is going here. But yeah, it's um oh dear me. I was fine earlier. I don't know what's happened in my voice. I do apologize. But yeah, it would be it's to throw someone to the back with current generation cars, if you're not a Mercedes Red Bull, is a death sentence currently. Yeah. It's sh- in theory it shouldn't be next year, which will make it that sort of punishment more feasible mm-hmm. and therefore hopefully uh, a bigger deterrent when you get to situations like this. Oh dear me. Voice is really going here. Hang in there. We had 10 <coughs> more minutes. <laughs> Say again. Hang in there. We had like 10 more minutes. I know. Almost there. Almost oh, there. You're almost there. Oh dear me. You're actually playing Mercedes's engine by the end of the season. It's a perfect cosplay. I, I started perfectly. I started really quick, really good voice. 
five races in and oh, it's all gone. Have you by any chance watched Cars, the, the Disney movie? Yeah, 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 of course. Okay, you, you're playing Lightning McQueen. You have you lost two tires and next <laughs> you're going to stretch out your tongue like this. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Get that tongue over the line. And everyone knows you've got to turn right to go left. Ah, yes, of course. There's no other way to turn left. Exactly. Um, we got to do predictions. As, oh, yes. Well, I, I, well, I was going to say it was going to be weird or strange, but I think, you know, given that we've seen practices now, um, hmm. we do have a base on which to go on. Um, so I, should we start with you or should, uh, should we read uh, your brother's comments? I think let's do Chris's. Uh, you want to go ahead or should I read? Uh, if you could, while I recover my voice. Okay. So this is this are Chris's predictions. First, Hamilton. Second goes Verstappen. Third goes Bottas. This is the last time we'll have that exact that same exact podium trio, he says. He puts Hamilton in pole and he calls this a snooze fest. I don't see how, but he calls it a snooze fest. And he puts Ferrari way over McLaren once again. Okay, I can see what he means by a snooze fest because it doesn't necessarily look like it's going to be a great track for overtaking. But being so wide and such a big track in terms of track width, different lines may end up being better as the race goes on. So I think it could be an entertaining race. I don't. It's not going to be like um. It's not going to be a rupture or something where it's just death. But it's not going to be nothing. Yeah, it, it won't be Brazil, but it, it won't be Russia or even Mexico this year. Yeah. Now, the part with the um, there's the pit, the, the pit entry really scares me. It's a dodgy pit lane, isn't it? They're pushing the boat out on that one. It was built for bikes. I mean. Uh, well, no, the, the, the original one, the original pit lane um, started after the last corner. So they, they've made this current pit lane purely for F1, oh, which is even that. more mind-boggling, which is why would you make it that tight and that quick? It's very strange. Someone's going to go into that wall. Could it be Netflix again? Oh, it might be, actually, yeah. Oh, the Netflixisms. Well, yeah, unless for anyone who's not seen it, the new pit lane coming into the last corner, it's a right-hander, isn't it? It's, a, um, it's like a 50, 60-degree right-hander going onto a kilometre-long straight. Mm-hmm. They've put the pit lane entrance about 50 metres from the corner itself, so you've got to be on the right side of the track and to the left. And, the, and you've got to go in full pelt, and you've got to turn even tighter. So it's like a 70-degree corner or something mental. And you've got to do that at racing speed under huge pressure. That's It's it's a risk. And it it's would a be massive a, risk. It would be. I, I, obviously, I obviously don't want this to happen, but it would be a massive hit. Imagine someone spinning, going sideways, and hitting the entry sideways. That as well, yeah, because uh, you get be, it wrong. That would be horrible. Ugh. Well, yeah. who, did, who someone did that in, in Indianapolis 500? Was it this year or last year? Someone did it, and it that was, was last year. Hit. It was last year. I can't remember. Was it Pagano? No, it wasn't Pagano, was it? No, it was. Uh, what's the guy? I can't, I can't remember it was, who it was now. It was, it was a huge hit. 
Yeah, it was a massive crash. And it, I don't think the protections exist in Formula One as they do in Indy, knowing no, that don't. crashing in, because uh, crashing into it, because what's they got barrels of water, don't they, and stuff like that. So there's a lot of protection going into a concrete wall. They don't have that in F1, not to the same extent. So if someone does that, that's going to be a huge crash. Yes. Um, so shall we go on with other predictions? Yes, go for it. <laughs> right. So I want to give it to Bottas, but I know that if Bottas uh-huh. goes first at some point, he's probably going to let Lewis go. He's going to have another thank you message, just like last week. So... <laughs> I gotta say Hamilton first. Second goes for Jesus. I want to say McLaren, but I, there's no way that happens now. Um, I'm gonna go for Bottas, and Verstappen comes in third. <coughs> yeah, I'm gonna agree. I've got Bottas as a um, on pole. Hamilton wins. Third. Bottas second, and then yeah, Verstappen on the podium. I think Gasly and um, Norris will be close to getting the podium, but I don't think they'll quite do it. Because Gasly's shown some real pace over the last two sessions, so he might be involved in that fight, but they'll they'll be the inevitable team orders of don't pass Verstappen. I know we're in different teams, but it's still the same team. Don't pass Verstappen. If I could, I would put my money on Gasly because of the Honda engine, but not in McLaren. Um, uh, It's odd. Uh, Yeah, not in the current form. But yeah, we'll see how it goes from it, it might have, they might pick up, but I think Gasly's the man on form currently. Yes. Of the um, whole grid. Chris texted something about Joey Nazi getting annoyed, but I really don't think it matters anymore. That guy's gonna raise uh, the Mario Kart. Yeah, I think that is a sl- it's a somewhat facetious comment on um uh, on last week where Giovinazzi was um talking about getting uh, kicked out and it's all harsh and ruthless when you don't have any money. Yes. After, despite the fact he has all, all the money he could ever want being part of the Ferrari Driver Program and have paid for him to get to where he is and he has not performed. But so. I'll give him, if, if um, just make this quick comment, um, I'll give him something to his credit. Whether he had an offer to race Formula E before, like ahead of time, or not, he actually made the commitment, and I assume that won't be an easy transition, so I think he deserves a, a bit of respect for that. Oh, yes, absolutely, and the, the thing is, he's not a bad driver, he's a very decent driver, but the problem is he just, his progress has been non-existent in the last three years. Yep. He's not, he, he's, he should be beating a 40-year-old man, comfortably, at least you'd expect him to, because Raikkonen is no longer the man he was even two or three years ago when he was at Ferrari. Yep. So it's, yeah, and he's he's got the speed. Clearly, he qualified six twice, didn't he, this year? And yes, both he times, and then he and both times it. got no points. Uh huh. He dumped his, his car into a corner both times. <laughs> yeah, he dumped he dumped his car into a Ferrari, somewhat ironically at Monza. So it's yeah, I. I I don't think even without Joe being involved, I don't think he would have kept that seat anyway. It would have gone to someone else. Piastri, perhaps. Piastri, maybe even Porsche. So it's, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think he'd have kept the seat anyway. Now, have we come up with a poll for the show? 
Oh, pole. Ooh, ooh. Uh, no, we haven't. Oh, I'm just trying to think. Oh, I'm, I'm, I had one final comment to make. Um, oh, go on. In some ways, I feel sorry for MotoGP because with with the G with uh, as years go on, the uh, track's gonna wear down massively. And I think I I, I don't remember if it was uh, I think it was Quartararo, the, the driver who brought uh, brought it up. They're gonna ruin the track. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they 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 they, fought, they didn't do it in Mugello last year. I know they F1 went there and they they didn't actually ruin it because well, it's too good a track. But as we've seen with this pit lane and everything F1 does nowadays, whenever it goes to any circuit, it's yeah. I, if I was very GP, I'd be getting a bit annoyed here. Yeah, because that I've, I've just got I've, to be honest, I've got practice on it in the background on my TV, and I've just got. It's Martin Brundle at the apex of the pit entry, and he's uh, McLaren has just shot past him. It's so tight. Jeez, they're gonna watch. That. I can't. I don't want to watch that with cars, let alone bikes, because that's just a recipe for even bigger disaster. Yeah, absolutely. So, do we have a poll? <clears throat> um, I would. Ooh, that's. Uh, all right, let's go. Should Giovinazzi have stayed in F1? Oh, yeah, that's... Yeah. Well, that, I think that'll be a good one. If logic plays right, if, if things go like they're supposed to do, uh, I assume every vote's going to go for a no. Potentially, but then well, given you know, the you know, uproar on Twitter over the last couple of days about him being kicked out, you never know yes. who might want him still in. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a divisive issue, actually, which surprised me, but... You never know. Yes. So, is that a wrap for a show? I think we might be there. No thanks to Chris, but I think we're there. <laughs> oh, Jesus. You're late on bringing that up. I know. I, I, it's not a question of um, bringing it up. It's a question of when I bring it up. Yes. <laughs> so... I guess that's a wrap for us this week, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for subscribing. And we'll see you here next week.